The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion, Rachel. I am primed and ready. <laughs> the series of Old Space Show follows the story-by-story time-traveling adventures of the Sixth Doctor and Perry Brown during Season 22 of Doctor Who, Colin Baker's first year in the role. Today we will be discussing the story comprised of Episodes 7, 8, and nine, the two doctors. <laughs> Following the departure of Victoria Waterfield, the second doctor and Jamie McCrimmon are summoned by the Time Lords to Space Station Camera, a research facility in the third zone. There they are to convince the head of projects to Starry, an old friend of the doctors, to stop Carts and Rhymer's time experiments for fear they may fall into the hands of the wrong people. Since the Time Lords have a policy of neutrality, they send the exiled Second Doctor to do business in order to maintain deniability. Upon arrival, they meet an Andragum named Shakai, who is primitive and hungry for humans. Also lurking on this station is Chessini, an Andragum who has been genetically and technologically altered to a mega-genius. She has made a deal with the Santaran named Stike to hand over the Kartz Rhymer module. She allows a few Santaran ships to dock. While the doctor is meeting with a reluctant Dastari, she has poisoned Dastari's meal, so he faints and the Santarans kidnap the Doctor as Jamie escapes. After a fishing trip with Perry, the Sixth Doctor acts up and has a vision of himself being put to death. He decides to consult Dastari, but when he arrives on the station, everything has gone dark. The ship's main computer attempts to kill the Doctor and Perry, but they escape, and the Doctor finds Dastari's journal and gets up to speed. They decide to deactivate the computer using the service ducts where they find Jamie. On Earth, Chassini, Shockeye, a sun- and a Centauran called Major Val sees a hacienda and set up a beacon for Psyche. Killing the owner of the home, Chassini absorbs her mind to find there in Seville. A couple named Oscar and Anita witness Stike's landing and mistake it for a crash and go to help. A delirious Jamie is hypnotized and tells the doctor that they killed him and describes the Santarans. The doctor then discovers in the main office that an illusion was set up to make people believe he'd been killed. He deduces his former self and Dastari were kidnapped so they can complete the time travel experiment with his symbolic nuclei. Through a trance, the doctor figures out the villains are in Santa Maria. Once there, they run into Oscar and Anita, who mistake them for plainclothes police officers and lead them to the hacienda. With Perry creating a distraction, the Sixth Doctor and Jamie are able to search the house and find the Kartz Rhymer module and see that its Brio Nebulizer needs his symbiotic nuclei to be complete. As Perry leaves, she's hunted and captured by Shockeye. Stike catches the Doctor and Jamie and forces the Doctor to provide the symbiotic print. He does so, and Jamie stabs Sykes Stike's legs so they can escape. Chassini worries more Time Lords may come, so she has to start and plant the second Doctor with Shockeye's genetic material, and then they will eliminate the Centaurans. However, they do not know the module is primed, and Stike is going to leave soon and kill all of them behind him before he leaves. 
As the androgram experiment begins on the second doctor, the sixth doctor rescues Perry. He tells him that he took the Brayo nebulizer, making the machine useless. The second doctor's experiment works, making him 50% androgram, and he and Shakai escape for a day on the town. Dastari and Chassini then trap the Santarans in a cellar, and she drops coronic acid in there, which kills Val. Dyke tries to escape in the module, but without the nebulizer, it burns him. He escapes to his ship, which is set for self-destruct, and he blows up in it. In Seville, Six, Perry, and Jamie seek the second Doctor Shockeye and wind up in Oscar's restaurant. In dispute over payment, Shockeye stabs and kills Oscar. The second Doctor changes back to normal, and Chassini and Astari show up to take everyone back to the Hacienda at gunpoint. After testing the module on Perry to be sure it works, Chassini gives Shockeye permission to eat Jamie. The rest are tied up. The Sixth Doctor shares that he sabotaged the nebulizer to only work once. Able to snag the keys, he frees himself and saves Jamie, but is stabbed by Shockeye and is chased outside. He finds Oscar's cyanide killing jar from moth hunting and kills Shockeye with it. Dastari frees the Second Doctor and Perry. Chassini then goes to the module but explodes with her in it, and she dies and turns back into an androgum. As they part ways, the Second Doctor uses his Statenheim remote controls to summon the TARDIS. The Sixth Doctor and Perry make their five-minute walk back to his TARDIS, and he mentions a healthy vegetarian diet for both of them from here on out. This one is directed by Peter Moffat. This is his final story he directed. As we mentioned, he did twin dilemma earlier um he got in a fight with john nathan turner never asked back to the show and is written by robert holmes who is the goat doctor who writers well maybe terrence dicks but this guy he's included with all the major classic stuff Uh uh he uh started during season six which was patrick Troughton's final season making him appropriate to write for him here but notable stories of his are Legendary Spearhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, Carnival of Monsters, Time Warrior, Ark in Space, Pyramids of Mars, Brain of Morbius, Deadly Assassin, Talons of Wang Chiang, Caves of Androzani, and then he'd go on to the next season to write Mysterious Planet, and he would die writing The Ultimate Foe. He only got part one out there, but this guy, start to finish, one of the greats. Living the dream. And it stars Colin Baker and Nicole Bryant. Guest starring Patrick Troughton, Fraser Hines, Jacqueline Pierce, Lawrence Payne, and John Stratton. Jacqueline Pierce, of course, she was Servalon on Blake 7, the big bad of that show, who's just awesome to watch anytime she walks on screen in that show. She also did an episode of The Avengers and Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but it has a huge history in British television. Payne, he was in Doctor Who before. He was in the Laser Hive with, or they call it Leisure Hive, with <laughs> Tom Laser, Baker's yeah. Doctor. Yes. And uh, two parts of the Gunfighters, William Hartnell serial. So he's now, if you count this one, been with four Doctors. Two of them he makes up for lost time for here. <laughs> this one, Rachel, was a hellish production. Uh, and the last time... They did a fancy travelogue location shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was going to be filmed in the story. It was supposed to take place in New Orleans. And they realized that that was way too expensive. And so they decided Spain would be the next best location <laughs> to go and film. And, you know, geographically compared to England, Spain is a lot closer to the equator and therefore quite a bit warmer and drier. So Perry runs around wearing next to nothing while Fraser Hines looks like he just took an entire bolt of wool 
from the fabric store and just wrapped it around himself. Right. He is, <laughs> yeah, he is overdone. Like, yeah. It is like the. It is ridiculous. Comedic re- reiteration of. And he's got Jamie. the Jerry Seinfeld like pirate shirt yeah, yes, on too. Yeah, yes, <laughs> the fluffy, the puffy shirt. Yeah, uh, it's just, and he's like struggling to care. Like, just give him bagpipes. Just, just do it. Yeah, like he'll stop. Wa- he'll be walking, and then he'll stop walking, and he's like, you know, that kid, you know, in high school who just refused to wear it, use their locker, so they carried mm-hmm. all of their books, but only wore their backpack on one shoulder. Right, right. So they're constantly having to adjust. <laughs> That's yeah. Frazier with all this fabric. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just, it's hard to watch. Uh, <laughs> Nicola Bryant is an iconic outfit of hers with the headband. She's probably the most comfortable on set. Other than hot, the shoes. Shorts, yeah, the shoes. <laughs> But, you know, this outfit with the shorts and the, sh- the flashy polyester shirt, I don't know what she's wearing. You almost wonder why the doctor didn't keep his uh, visor that he was wearing while they were fishing on. Right, that is interesting. Or the umbrella. His, protect the himself from the sun. Shade. Yeah, the, I love that umbrella. I have, my, I have my own version. And this is the first appearance of that umbrella, and that was like what they used for a lot of his promotional shots, right? Yeah. And it finally yeah. appears here. Yeah. Yeah, and then we'll you'll see it again in the mysterious planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- this one it's a multi doctor story we love, which I love. Stories. I love multi doctor stories. And uh, <laughs> although they don't share the frame a frame till like episode three, yeah, that's where they do. But we, I mean, we open up with a tribute, a uh, black and white tribute to Patrick Trout and Zira. And it, doesn't the aspect ratio change too? Aspect? Uh, no, because it's four three. It's all 4/3. okay. And okay. it just, so it's just the color then. Just slowly goes to color, and this. Oh, they cre- do the the change in aspect ratio or whatever in uh, Twice Upon a Time. That's what I'm thinking. That's of. the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yep. they they do a whole this this here creates a whole conundrum for Doctor Who fandom with the the appearance here as uh, they start this one. In my mind, when I watch it, they're trying to tell me that this takes place following Fury from the Deep, which would be about the only accurate hole to fit this story because they would meet Zoe in the next story and she'd be around to the end. So mm-hmm. if you want, Jamie, and there's not enough time between Faceless Ones and Evil of the Daleks to do it. You could, And nobody's Nyssa and sleeping in another room during an adventure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so a lot of the, there's this season 6.5 theory that came out of this. And they are saying that this happens during the war games, that the Doctor is charged with doing all these dirty deeds for the Time Lords. And that explains why why Patrick Houghton's old and Jamie's old and they're doing all these things before he becomes the third Doctor. But I don't think they were thinking that or leading that to be set up. Not at the time, no. (laughs) No, it's totally a continuity nerd thing but i i honestly think it's there's like, a lot of doctor who continuity that's put together in retro use your damn <laughs> retroactive use your, use your damn imaginations folks uh there's terms uh that i like to use and i got it from another doctor who podcast uh called lazy doctor who there's doyalist and watsonian and the watsonian is the character the what something means to a character within the novel and it'd be like watson why did Sherlock Holmes die? Moriarty pushed him off the cliff. And then there's the creator side, the outside, the realm of the story, where you ask Arthur Conan Doyle, why did Sherlock Holmes die? I was sick of writing him. This is just because they're old in real life. Like, you're supposed mm-hmm. to imagine it's the same ones. And 
there's no more to it. I think, and I think because they also don't have the resources, Fury from the Deep's a missing story. There was no the audios for it weren't available at the time to hear. There was probably just memories they went off of, and then there's what Doctor Who has become since then, getting written into the story as well. Kind of clunky continuity. Nobody thought about this hard. Rachel, you have a theory on why perfectly explains why they look old, which comes from time crash, I believe, or not theory, but explained there. Yeah, there's there's a theory, and I oh God, I can't remember where I've seen it. I don't know if it's actually from the actual bits or if it was like an explanation because uh time crash was written by steven moffat and we know that he's a huge fan of the series so you know he's he's he he knows his history but the explanation from that comes out of time crash is that when the doctor encounters themselves that whoever the newest doctor is i don't want to say the oldest doctor right. which technically would be the newest doctor right freshest the freshest doctor is they're going to perceive previous versions of themselves as older because they consider themselves older you know they're gonna be like oh that's me back then that's an old mm-hmm. version of me yeah i don't think it's as deep as it but hey people have run with it there's big finish stories it Keeps a lot more Second Doctor adventures. But for me, I'm like, come on, folks. They were not thinking that deep. Uh, yeah. And I don't think about it. Uh, yeah. You know? I just think, uh, I'm just like, oh. Once I'm watching the story, I'm just like, oh, multi-doctors. Right. So <laughs> I don't think about the fact that they don't look the this same is... age as they were when they were the Doctor. So, And I, this is Patrick Shouten's final performance as the Second Doctor. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't count his floating head as... In dimensions and time, <laughs> his final appearance. But um, uh, he's older. His, his face still appears, so therefore, you know, right? He, he was still, only around. Still in the multi doctor stories. He, he died. He died like a year or two after this. It wasn't too long. Oh no! Well, yeah. who? I can't remember now. <laughs> who? Past between him and Pertwee was in the nineties. Pertwee, who died when I don't remember. So, yeah, eighty-seven, just a couple years after this. Yeah, Yeah. Pertwee was early nineties because he got to be in some of those makeshift stories, which included Doctor Who actors. Those uh, yeah movies. Yeah, so he's here last time, and he's you know he's old, and I mean there's a there's a whole episode with him just laying down. He gets to lead the show for a bit. I mean, the first 20 minutes or so is mm-hmm. Patrick Troughton and Jamie just doing it. And then he gets to have some fun pantomime stuff when he becomes an Andrew Yeah. And you know he's loving that. And then finally they get together in the end for just a brief time, it feels. Yeah, but you still get the ego clash. Right. You know, you got to have is, it. Yeah. Snap. Which Troughton's doctor always seems to be the instigator. Oh, yeah. Whenever the doctor encounters himself, right, he's always in the middle of. It. He's like, "Oh, you redecorated. I don't like it." And he gets to show <laughs> off his remote control at the end. Oh yes, <laughs> the remote control. Yes, which the doctor doesn't even really have now. <laughs> no, although he he, a... the doctor can open the doors with the snap of his yeah. fingers. Yes. So <laughs> I do. I will say one of my favorite doctor interactions. I'd still things. rather have the remote oh. control. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> One of my favorite Doctor interaction things has to be uh, Day of the Doctor when uh, Ten and Eleven put on their specs and see each other and they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's just, it just both of them just perfect. Yeah, but uh, this yeah this one uh, you know we have a location shoot, but we also get some cool B movie sets for the station. So you kind of have best of both Doctor yeah, Who worlds. Th- those air those air ducts that the Doctor and Paris yes. went to look like the uh, I'm going to age myself here. Kids of our era, they look like the like obstacle thing you would climb through like discovery zone right <laughs> just the bright colors yes <laughs> just you know climbing up on things and other things like those are not air ducts that i've ever seen <laughs> yes and the, the doctor falling on the wires carefully and neatly <laughs> colin was like that was not comfortable he's like a tall man it's really weird to watch him get in these like little situations it looks <laughs> it look awkward a bit <laughs> and we get the Santarans back first time since uh the invasion of time and uh-huh. last time till the fourth season with the 10th doctor but uh-huh. i've always liked Santarans. they kind of creep me out i just yeah they're just visually. a weird looking species yeah. very this is a, like the cheapest i think they've looked yeah. before because it just went with like a mask rather than trying to make up into their face so their mouths can move so you get a lot of talking on a mask that doesn't get dubbed in the end and they're way too tall and skinny yeah val is super tall yeah and yeah the other one yeah they're they're supposed to be short and stocky and Mm -hmm. and then there's also the story colin puts a double cross upon a double cross happens in the story (laughs) the the science in this is just i i think there's a reason they've not come back to this uh and they skipped over the whole symbiotic nuclei thing in the doctor's wife (laughs) right and just be like i am the tardis i take you where i think you need to go (laughs) end of story (laughs) yes yes oh man let's not worry about any of the other scientific Mm -hmm. yeah i just the whole thing with the taking like i know they needed to establish the stories work with genetics mm-hmm. because genetics are important to at least as far as the time lords how they use time travel yeah is concerned but to the whole like subplot with shock eye and andrigum and how he's turned Jacini, who used to be full andrigum to now she's like the super smart sophisticated not base level kind of just food motivated right being like shock eye is but then you like there's all that and then turning the second doctor into part androgram and you see how that starts to affect the sixth doctor which (laughs) makes you wonder how doctors three four and five how they were feeling because if six was feeling it then it had to have gone through the others as well you know somewhere tom baker's doctor is like jelly babies no give me beef turkey (laughs) yeah (laughs) right (laughs) yeah it's like there's like all these 
different subplots and there's just a lot there and it, that's what a lot of Colin's stories in this season are really heavily well, it, plotted anytime and, you get a multi-doctor story things tend to get way more complicated yeah and this one's three parts like. so it got even bigger yeah I think it's the longest runtime for a multi-doctor story when you put it all together yeah um but yeah this is this one, uh, it's the first three-part serial since Planet of the Giants, the 1964, the second season opener. And it's one of the three multi-doctor stories, including Time Crash and Twice Upon a Time, that were not for an anniversary. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. And the violence in this one is... Oh, yeah, this one's... Vengeance on Virus ain't got nothing on this one. Nope. <laughs> I mean, you got the doctor obviously not on accident obviously killing someone rachel's doctor kills my yeah my yeah (laughs) i mean this doctor just flat out kills like granted shock i needed to to be stopped there was you know he was he was at that point he was pretty much like zombie surprised they didn't have like jamie do it you know like i don't know but yeah because it's like oh yeah no scottish warrior you know he (laughs) He could do it but no like he just and you know before that shock eye kills oscar in the restaurant that's not how you get out of paying a bill and that's just you know oscar gets this dramatic death scene murdered in the restaurant like yeah i was like oh it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's one way to turn somebody off their meal. Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, check, please. But as the genetic manipulation seemingly starts to wear off on on Jacini and, you know, the, the uh, Collins doctor gets stabbed at one point and bleeds like in the courtyard of this this house that they're in and mm-hmm. Jacini comes by and just like dramatically flops to the ground and <laughs> starts lapping at it like a cat yes. <laughs> almost. Oh. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, you got a character that's literally sticking her fingers in someone's just, blood and yeah. just like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a bloody violent story. You know, Jamie's <laughs> getting tenderized. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Right, yeah, tender, yeah. It's just, yeah, this one's brutal. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, it's stunning to watch. I mean, the way they film it too, it's not like it just happens. It's, it's filmed with intent to mm-hmm. showcase. And I always find it, I find it funny when, uh, they first meet Oscar and Adida and he mentions the cyanide thing for them. I'm like, well, that's a strange detail for him to, okay, there it is. Which, you know... It's the Chekhov's moth cyanide of Doctor Who. (laughs) Which, you know, I'm not a uh, a bug collector by any means. That was a uh, optional thing we could do in high school science class for Mm -hmm. extra credit. But I really, really cannot stand bugs and insects. So I was like, I'm just going to get a good grade otherwise. But I, I know people that have done it and I don't know... I don't think cyanide is what they use. (laughs) I imagine that there are other things less dangerous that could be used to knock out your subjects. (laughs) We were talking about shock eye. They originally had Donald Pleasance in mind to play him. Oh God. Um, (laughs) That would have been interesting. That would have been very, he could have done it. He's 
played some really crazy people in the past, but uh, yeah. I would have loved that being a, the Halloween nut that I am. This one, of course, uh, it comes from, uh, well, Holmes stuck ideas from an abandoned Five Doctors script he had titled The Six Doctors and featured Cybermen needing an organic mechanism from the Doctor to become Cyberlords, which, hmm, does that sound familiar? <laughs> I think we've seen that come to life now. Mm, Chris Chibnall knows his history. Yep. Haters. Guess what? Haters. Dorks. <laughs> This was Bob Holmes' idea, you know. Yeah. The Bob Holmes the like to point to of like, oh, it's so much better. Stop. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh, you're now contra. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but but not all Bob Holmes stuff. Oh, pick and choose. Pick and choose. Pick and choose. Sorry, series twelve lover here. So um, yeah. <laughs> Just go with that. Just uh, saying, you know, like. Like them or hate them, since Doctor Who's returned, they've at least done a good job at hiring people that were have were fans and realize the history there. And such fans got to use it. That Chris Chibnall, as a kid, told Pip and Jane Baker on live television that he <laughs> thought Terror of the Vervoid stunk. <laughs> I'm sure he regrets this, but wow. Hopefully, you know, when he got older, he was able to reconnect, especially now so. that Pip is gone, <laughs> you know, the, to apologize for his uh, I have thoughts youthful on, indiscretions. I have thoughts on that special, and I don't think he's to blame. It's whoever put that together should be ashamed of themselves. That's not what you do. That is not what you do. Uh, oh, man. But yeah, so that that's that's a little thing here and there, and I want to tell you, Rachel, that this is the, this time when I watched it was probably the time I enjoyed it most because I spaced it out. I watched it episode by episode over three days. I've normally just watched it in a thing, and it really worked for me a lot the best this time. I know, and the thing is that Doctor Who, a lot of people like to run through this classic stuff. They don't get into it. They don't like certain things, but it was always meant to be watched. Mm-hmm. A week apart, and not Watch, together. Ruminate, you know, mm-hmm. on what it is you've seen. Take it in, yeah. So that when it comes back, you can be like, "Oh yes, that was." Yeah, we're building on what we had experienced before. I'm looking at you people complaining about Wandavision and how you had to wait <laughs> every week. Oh gosh, yeah. For more, this is how TV is meant to be watched. Exactly. Binging exactly. has ruined people. We like to talk about the current season over a course of a season. Yeah. Not a weekend, a season. Yeah. They call it season because a season is more than a weekend. Yeah. But just like uh, sports. Yeah. Week at yeah. a time. Yeah. Building on what happened the week before. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate things like I appreciate the construct of a singular episode so much, and it's like it's gone when I binge stuff too, and I feel like trash afterwards, and I forget stuff. I can't. A lot of the stuff intended for binging, binging too, has episodes that are just like this isn't even anything. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is just we have an hour, uh, but that's a, that's another conversation. But Doctor Who, I hope, will always maintain its week-to-week thing because I think it works best, and I would hate to just dump it on one day because yeah. there's so much to take from each 
adventure uh, with the doctor. And I love its balance between serialization and standalone. I think they do it better than anybody. And yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want that. But yeah, so really, yeah, this is the time I think I enjoyed it the most because I did it that way. Like I've always like been okay with this one. I always thought it felt long. Well, that's because I was watching it that way, especially when they're 45 minute episodes. And instead of, you know, this would have been a six-parter. Well, it was a six-parter in some countries because they would chop it up to yeah. 24. Three-part episode. Yeah, so uh, this is the two doctors, a great little multi-doctor story. One of the ones where there's only, I mean, uh, Day of the Doctors, two doctors, basically, but they throw the war doctor in there, so I guess it's three. He's the doctor. Yeah. and then He even the end, says so at the end. Yes. I'm the doctor. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then, well, Twice Upon a Time has two as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a multi-doctor story. Oh, yeah. Story. They're great. They're great. But, you know, as I was saying in our previous episode, you know, with Mark of the Ronnie, I'm really kind of a sucker for any multi-time lord or Gallifreyan. I mean, with Twice yeah. Upon a Time, you get a multi-master story right before a multi-doctor story. Yeah. <laughs> With Mondazi and Cybermen. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's like, what more do you want? We've got it all. The Ronnie. That's that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. Bring back the Ronnie. Yep. (laughs) Excellent. And more multi-doctor stories when appropriate. We're two years away. Two years away from a surefire multi-doctor story. Maybe... Hopefully. Jody gets one secretly in this one. Like I'm, what would you say? Okay, this is way off topic, but we're well. No, it's not multi doctor story. What would you say if they like recast one of these old older doctors to put him as a multi doctor story, like they did with Hartnell? Say they did like a fourth doctor recast him to be with like Jody or someone like that. Would you be against it because it's not the same person and they're trying to keep it the? Look right there? Yeah, I would be against it. If the actor is still alive, the original okay. actor is still alive. So the first doctor I get because, you know, Hartnell, he's been gone for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really have much of a choice. Right. Um, he's been but, played by like three different people now. So. Yes. <laughs> We're used to him. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, when the first time I watched the five doctors, I had not been wa- I had not watched enough classic who to know everybody by face. So I didn't nec- I didn't recognize that the first doctor was a completely different actor. Uh, <laughs> now get, it's very yeah. obvious, but Hart- Hartnell did get to be in a multi-doctor story though. So he did get that check off of the Yes, yeah, he wasn't cred. the three doctors, even if it was you three-ish know three-ish doctors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well he's in he's, he's really actually in, there, in yeah. it acting kind yeah. of they he did really, press they, photos for it too yeah the they others. filmed him in his garden he did more for it than tom baker parts. did for five yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> but he is in it acting uh, you know as his character as the first doctor but no i think as long as the the actor who originated the character is still alive don't recast them what if they recast yeah. and dubbed over the voice so that it was their voice but the look kept consistent yeah I'm just throwing these no. devil's advocate questions at you. I'm just yeah, no, just because the voices they can kind of get away with it in Big Finish mm-hmm. because you don't have the visuals to remind you that the doctors are now older, even though 
all of them, their voices have aged. Right. The funny thing is, I think they could bring back Sylvester McCoy and it'd be like, eh, I didn't. Yeah, Sylvester, like, I think, would one... be the closest. The closest, yeah. <laughs> that they could possibly, possibly get, a, get right. away with. Like, because they just, I, I mean, he just yeah. recently reprised the role for that uh, trailer for the season 24 set. Yeah. And look, it was just like, yeah, they, they do, just because he's kind of got a weird look to begin, you know, to begin with, kind of rubbery face. That and he was really wearing, age. and he was wearing old man garb for an outfit to begin with. So yeah, yeah. So his his doctor still kind of works. I think it would be interesting to maybe for like an anniversary or something to maybe change it up and not do a multi-doctor story but maybe do a multi-classic companion well that would be cool i've always wondered like why why don't we go and catch up with what's happening from the savages with peter purvis with uh you know steven or somebody you know like while these people are sort of like maybe Mm -hmm. maybe a little cameo from polly in an episode somewhere she's you know Mm -hmm. be there or you know yeah, you know, bring bring us Susan. Yeah, Susan's still <laughs> around. Know. Yeah, yeah. You know, Your she, granddaughter. Yeah, I mean she could come back. I mean she was she was a Gallifreyan, mm-hmm. but she wasn't a Time Lord. As we know, there's a difference. As far yeah, the uh, Time Lord is a designation. Gallifreyan mm-hmm. is like the the race of right. the planet. So you have to go through the academy to get the title of Time Lord. It's kind of like becoming a master Jedi. Right. And from there you get the the perks of that title and that includes regeneration. Right. So, uh, you know, as, as as Susan does not regenerate because she's not a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, again, there's a lot of big finish I've not listened to. <laughs> there's just so right. much, but yeah, you know, as long as we still have a lot of these classic companions around, and if it's done modern day, mm-hmm. then you don't need to justify why they're so much older. Right. I'd love to go check on Perry and Bl- Brian Blessed. See what they're up. Yeah. To. <laughs> I don't think this was ever done officially but i think someone headcanon that eventually they do move to earth and king yakranos becomes a professional wrestler and parries his manager <laughs> i'm down with that i'm i'm 100 want that yeah. oh my but well, yeah you know, no, I, I would love to see like a multi-classic companion story because yeah. that's not something that's been done on tv right no no they have it the only time there's been multiple companions with five doctors, really. Yeah, because Rose and, wasn't Rose in Day of the Doctor. Yeah, and yeah. Dimensions and time. Yeah, and dimensions and time. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I know Chibnall has said he's had interest in Ace, bringing Ace back, as well mm-hmm. as Tegan and Rory and Amy are mm-hmm. of interest to him. Yeah, maybe Dan can meet them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I think that would be interesting. I think that would make for a very interesting way to do an anniversary because we've kind of come to expect like these big kind of big to do mm-hmm. multi doctor stories for anniversary years. And I mean, uh, like, I think it'd be fun to change it up. Yeah, ten ten got a grand finale of all his companions together for Journey's End, and some of them will get a little goodbye. At the end, cameo uh-huh. before they regenerate, but yeah, the they to get the classic ones back for a battle. Sarah Jane's been brought back, but uh-huh. they need they. I would like to see you know Joe's around. Um, yep, 
But they are having fun reprising themselves for these trailers. I, I do like that. Oh, yeah. Leela's <laughs> yeah. still around. Like, like Leela would be, what's going on? Did you guys work out there on Gallifrey, or did it, was it a fling? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's still there during the time war, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Only, only Russell knows what happens there. Yeah, so. her and Romana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and K-9. A version of K-9. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Well, it's time to return to the TARDIS to set our coordinates for our next adventure. Rachel, whereabouts in time and space can people find you? Well, you can find me every week with the Five-ish Fangirls podcast. We are a pop culture, geek culture, entertainment podcast where we talk about books, movies, TV shows, video games, all things needing. Gurky. Gurky. That's a Gurky. new one. Geeky. Gurky. From the female perspective, we can be found pretty much where you can find podcasts, pick your app, platform, whatever of choice. You can probably find us. And also at the 5 where you can connect with all of our social medias and ways you can financially support us and all those fun things. And then every other week, you can find me on Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast, where we are watching and reviewing every single Academy Award winner for Best Picture in chronological order. So we started in the nineteen late 1920s, and we are now in the 1940s, post-World War II era. I'm very excited for color picture to become the norm. Bring it on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, we can also be found pretty much wherever you can find podcasts on all the various platforms. And on Facebook, just look for Gold Standard, the Oscars podcast. Hashtag the two recordings. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brand4KUHD. Written work at com. There's more from the Brand Peters show this week. And next week we have, we know we're all waiting for it. Time Lash is coming, but. Uh, oh, yeah. But <laughs> from all. We've all been waiting for. <laughs> but from Old Space. I am the companion, whether you like it or not. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.